Coming up, who were the stars in the D-backs series finale win over the Colorado Rockies? What has been one of Mike Hazen's biggest weaknesses during his tenure as the GM? And looking back at his past trade deadline deals, is Mike Hazen a good trade deadline negotiator? Discussing all that next. You are locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile Anniversary Sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. I'm Miller Thomas, host of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. We're also on YouTube, Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube, so follow the show there. And thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks. Backs, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. On today's pod, we'll be doing a little ripping of Mike Hazen, but I first want to send my condolences to Mike Hazen before you know we tear him apart a little bit on today's pod because, of course, he just recently lost his wife, Nicole, to a battle with cancer, so our hearts and our prayers go to Mike Hazen his family and the D-backs organization because that's, you know, a terrible tragedy, really sad, only in her 40s too, so super young. So sending prayers out and condolences to the Hazen family before we, you know, you know, give some criticisms, you know, fair criticisms to Mike Hazen. You know, we're not going to go overboard with the ripping or anything like that, but we got some criticisms and critiques from Mike Hazen today. But before we get there, first I want to discuss the D-backs series against the Colorado Rockies because the D-backs are playing some pretty good baseball in the second half of the season so far they got a positive run differential they're like plus um they're, they're like plus i don't even have the exact number they're like plus 17 so far um in terms of run differential in the second half this year they've been pretty good their offenses look pretty good so far their averages so far in the second half have been um slightly ticked up over the first half 249 average up from a 223 average in the first half ops is up to 731 up from a 685 ops OPS in the first half. So D-backs offense looking pretty solid so far to start the second half. And they just took two out of three against the Colorado Rockies. D-backs are looking solid. And if you look at the D-backs schedule going forward, like maybe the D-backs could get a little something going, a little something rolling, and just get positive momentum going heading into the offseason, not into a wild card race or anything like that, but just get a little momentum going, maybe play some spoiler down the stretch, because up next, they got the Pittsburgh Pirates, then you play the Colorado Rockies again, you got the Royals mixed in pretty soon after that, so the D-backs got a pretty favorable schedule coming up, and right now, the way the D-backs are playing, they could beat some of these worst teams, because like I said, their offense is starting to look solid, they scored six runs today, and if you look at their offense since the second half has started like their offense has been pretty solid overall 
scored six runs today. You scored um, six runs on Friday. They scored uh, four runs, six runs, five runs before that. Like the D-backs recently, their offense has been pretty productive because we know in the first half, there was a lot of games where the D-backs were losing two to one. They were losing three to stuff like that. But the D-backs offense so far in the second half has been pretty impressive. And the pitching as well has been pretty impressive. And we've seen this series, Madison Bumgarner had a serviceable start on Friday. Merrill Kelly had to dominate and start on Saturday and then you look ahead to the series finale and Zach Davies did just enough to keep that keep the D-backs in this game he went five innings zero earned runs four hits another solid start by Zach Davies who I think has been pretty solid this whole season for the D-backs I've been pretty impressed with Zach Davies and I wonder how much the Brent Schramm effect has played into the success of Zach Davies this year because when the D-backs signed him this offseason I did not have very high expectations but I think he has not shattered my expectations because not like Zach Davies is a Cy Young candidate, but he's performed pretty well and he's definitely outperformed my expectations that I had for him so far this season. So I liked what Zach Davies did today, gave us some hard contact, but overall he performed pretty well. And you just look up and down the offense. You had nine hits from your guys. Josh Rojas putting work at the top of the lineup. You had, you had Dalton Varsho um, with a couple of hits as well, making some great defensive plays in the outfield. You had a home run from Christian Walker, who we know, is just the home run monster mashing king. That's all he does. He's home run or bust. Christian Walker, 203 average on the season, but it does not matter because he's on pace for like 35 bombs a season, which is all we care about. Emmanuel Rivera had a home run as well, and I know there's been some... You know, there wasn't a lot of positivity when the D-backs made the trade for Manu Rivera, at least not from my end, because I felt like he was going to be a guy taking a bats away from Josh Rojas. And one of the things I liked from this game was that Josh Rojas and Emmanuel Rivera both put in work in today's game, in Sunday's game, which I like to see. We also had Alcantara put in some work as well. And I'm not a big Alcantara fan, but he performed pretty well on Sunday. So the D-backs overall, their offense looked good. Now, if you're talking about some of the negatives from Sunday's game, Kevin Ginkle just had a blow-up outing, wasn't able to record an out, gave up four hits, gave up four earned runs, walked two guys, super erratic, super chaotic. His ERA ballooned to a 12.27, and Kevin Ginkle's a guy who, back in 2019, had that 148 ERA, and he's someone that I thought after that year maybe could be a potential Diamondbacks closer of the future, and if not that, at least be an you know potential setup guy, a, a core reliever going forward. Considering how was how young he was back in 2019, and heading into today's outing, he hasn't been terrible for the D-backs so far this year. He only allowed one earned run over three and two innings pitch heading into today's game. But we saw old Kevin Ginkle. We saw the issues that plagued him in 2020 and 2021, and that is his command or lack thereof because he had a big issue walking guys back in 2020 and 2021. And this year in minor leagues, Kevin Ginkle has done a really good job of striking out batters on the minor league level back in Reno this year. 13.2 strikeouts per nine. His walks per nine wasn't too bad at just 3.5. He had a 1.17 ERA over 30 innings pitch in Reno this year. So he was dominating the AAA level. He was starting off well with the D-back so far um, in 2022, you know, over the last month, but 
Just a blow-up performance today by Kevin Ginkle, which you do not want to see, but Mantiply was able to come in and shut it down because the Colorado Rockies were able to make a comeback in this one and tie it up because the D-backs were up 4-2 to two entering the 6. The D-backs were up basically um, the whole game here, and the Colorado Rockies were able to tie it up and actually take the lead in the 6th inning because the D-backs were leading 2 to nothing, and then after the 6th, after that Kevin Ginkle meltdown, the Rockies took the lead, but the D-backs were able to come back after Emmanuel Rivera cut into the lead with his solo shot. Then Rojas, Varsho, and Alcantara even got a bulk by the Colorado Rockies bullpen because the Rockies are just in a place where they're also the little whirlwind tailspin themselves where they don't look the best either, and they're losing a bunch of games. But do I care as a D-backs fan what the Rockies are doing? No, I'm glad that the D-backs were able to beat the Rockies again in the series. And so far, the D-backs have done well against a couple of NL West opponents when you look at the Giants and the Rockies. The D-backs have owned them so far this year, so it's been fun to watch the D-backs as a fan play against their NL West rivals and defeat them. So let's now hand out three stars of the game from Sunday's game for the three players I think had the biggest impact, the D-backs 6-4 win over the Colorado Rockies. And I think it was actually tough to decide three stars from this game. If I could have, I would have done five stars. But the first star of the game, I'm going to give to Christian Walker, who had a big two-run shot, got the scoring going in the first inning, gave the D-backs an early lead. Christian Walker, always good for a home run like every fifth game. I'm going to give him the first star of the game, two RBIs. Second star of the game, I'm going to actually give to Emmanuel Rivera, who had a big run score late in this game, scored two runs overall, had an RBI, had the home run, Big Emmanuel Rivera game. He's someone that I didn't have a lot of positivity for when the D-backs traded for him, but he was able to make it work today, was able to put together positive at-bats at the plate, at a positive game overall offensively. So because he was able to shut up the haters a little bit today, I'm giving him a star. And then my third star of the game, I'm actually going to get to Sergio Alcantara, who was one for one, one hit, two walk, just kept putting together good at bats, was able to get some offense going late, was able to he had the tack on run in that eighth inning with the sacrifice fly. Alcantara was able to do a bunch today for the D-backs. Also defensively, he had a couple good plays as well. So for the D-backs today, great stars all around. Great series win against the Colorado Rockies. D-backs playing really good baseball so far to start the second half. Let's hope they can keep it going with a series starting, a four-game series starting against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, do you want to know what? Arguably, Mike Hazen's biggest weakness has been during his tenure as the D-backs GM. That's what we're going to discuss because Mike Hazen's going to need to recruit some new people to this D-backs team to fix this weakness that he has right now that's hampering this D-backs team. But if you need to recruit new people for your business, hopefully that wasn't too vague of a tease. But if you need to recruit new people for your business, you need to head to LinkedIn Jobs because whether or excuse me excuse me i'm reading i thought this was the linkedin jobs this is actually a blue nile copy i don't know why i thought this was linkedin so maybe i should start that tease over but we're going to be talking about um one of the biggest weaknesses mike hazen has right now is the d-backs gm that's hampering his tenure as the d-backs gm but if Mike Hazen is able to fix this problem, the D-backs might be able to bring a championship ring to the organization. And speaking of championship rings, if you're ready, if you're ready to pop the question, you need to head to BlueNow.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNow.com. 
Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bent jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Sorry about the confusion on my ad reads. Sorry it was LinkedIn, but it was actually BlueNow.com. But let's discuss one of the biggest weaknesses Mike Hazen has had during his tenure as the D-back GM because that has been figuring out the bullpen because the D-backs just recently announced that they're probably going to be going to a more committee, uh, closer by committee um, for the rest of the season because Mark Melanson has been a big struggle this year. And, of course, in the D-backs victory on Sunday, another struggle Tight rope by Mark Melanson, putting two guys on second and third in the ninth inning just has to make a sweat. Like, man, but like Mark Melanson can never just have a clean one, two, three outing, strikes out a couple people. No, he needs to always at least put one base runner on just to get the sweat going and really keep you locked in and invested in the game because it'd be no fun if you had a dominant closer that just came in and once you knew you had a lead entering the ninth, this guy came in like, you know, Craig Kimbrell in his prime or Mariano Rivera. Once those guys came in with a lead, um, in the ninth inning, the game was over. You could turn it off. You knew your team was going to win. That's no fun, right? Like Mark Melanson at least keeps you on the edge of your seat when he comes into the game because it doesn't matter if it's a one-run lead or a five-run lead. If Mark Melanson's entering the game, crazy stuff can happen. So the D-backs are now going to a committee, probably a little Ian Kennedy, a little Joe Mansply. Toy Lovellos talked about how it's going to be, you know, a feel-out, play-by-ear kind of situation. And I just want to talk about, hold on, I'm going to cough real quick. Excuse me. I just want to talk about how basically this D-backs bullpen was one of the best when Mike Hazen got to the organization back in 2017, and he's basically deconstructed it and tore it down, and now it's one of the worst in baseball. And we can look at the year-by-year stats because back in 2017, the bullpen ERA for the D-backs in the National League, second-best bullpen ERA in 2017 in the National League, fourth in the NL in 2018, sixth in 2019, 10th in 2020, 14th in 2021, and then 10th in 2022. So it was quite literally the second best back in 2019, or excuse me, back in 2017. It just gotten worse and worse every single season to the point where it was the second worst bullpen last year in 2021. And then it's been bottom 10 in 2020 and 2022. The D-backs bullpen has been absolutely awful the last couple of years under Mike Hazen when it used to be so dominant back in 2017. And when you look at the closing situation for Mike Hazen during his tenure, it's also gotten worse like 
We started off with Fernando Rodney back in 2017, and he had 39 saves. Now, in terms of run prevention, he wasn't dominant. He was able to strike out people, but still had a 4-3-2 ERA, so nothing crazy. He had Brad Boxberger in 2018, another guy, low fours ERA, 32 saves, another guy that could strike out people, maybe not elite when it comes to run prevention. And then all of a sudden, go to 2019, you start the year with Greg Holland. This is where it really starts to flip in your bullpen, where your closing situation really just goes to crap because you start Greg Holland. And you, you sign him in the offseason and you end up DFAing him. He doesn't even finish out the season. They moved to Archie Bradley, who was pretty solid. He had a 3 5 2 ERA on the season, but his ERA just primarily as a closer was like a 2 2 5. He had 18 saves. Archie Bradley was solid, but. I think Archie Bradley gets uh, traded during that 2020 season because part of a committee, Bradley, Stefan Cryan, Hector Rondon, even Low Junior Guerrero. 2020 was a mess from the closing situation, a mess again in 2021 last year with Stefan Cryan, uh, Joaquin Soria, Tyler Clippert, a mess last year. Then you look at 2021. A committee basically now, but it started the year with just Mark Melanson, and he's been a disaster. We'll see how the committee goes. If it's more Ian Kennedy, Joe Mantiply, the then the closing situation has a chance to be saved, but considering the money that they're paying Mark Melanson, I'm sure he'll still get a bulk of the opportunities heading down the stretch. So you just look at it from the closing situation. like It's no wonder the production from the bullpen has gone down every year since 2017 you've had a worse closer every year since 2017 you've had less talent in your bullpen every year since 2017 and it's like where have the good relievers gone well the brad boxbergers of the world who's still pitching right now for the milwaukee brewers he's pretty good he was basically just let go in free agency andrew chafin and archie bradley both traded like you let some of your better relievers either go via free agency you just let them walk or you traded them like I don't understand the philosophy and thinking there. Pitchers like Joan Lopez and Stefan Crichton and Kevin Ginkle, they all had a flash in the pan, but they didn't work out. They weren't they weren't able to do it for the long haul. They were able to do it for a season, maybe two seasons, but like I said, they were just a flash in the pan. The D-backs actually need to develop guys they, they can rely on for more than just a year or two. The D-backs need relievers young pitchers that they could look at as the core of their team and relievers aren't guys that you're going to be spending 15 to 20 million dollars on like if you have two or three good relievers young like they're going to be cost cost controllable as long as they're arbitration eligible and then after that like you could spend five to seven million on a reliever and that's like that's not going to kill you um financially like you're going to be just fine and when you look at the d-backs best relievers right now like you got ian kennedy who is old he's a veteran but he's old you signed him this past year as a free agent like he's not someone that's going to be part of your core going forward you got lucky with joe mantiply he was found off the scrap heaps he's financially controllable but he's 31 and he was an all-star this year but do you really believe that this is Man supply ceiling. Do you believe the season he's having right now is repeatable? Like he had the long streak of all time by left-handed reliever of not allowing um walks in consecutive innings. Like he's had a historical season. Like how much of what man supply has done this year is repeatable? You look at Kyle Nelson, like he's in his mid-20s. He's young, but he was claimed off the waivers from Cleveland. Like, why did they just give him up if he's going to be this good? Is what he's doing repeatable as well? So that's why I feel like the D-backs need more young relievers levers in their core that they could rely on and trust on a pod the other day i talked about how that fifth spot in the rotation needs to be a rotating door of different young guys like the brandon fats ryan nelson's and drew jameson's and those guys can still be in your bullpen as well if you don't want to put those guys in your rotation right away we can still see those three guys i just mentioned as long relievers starting out 
you know, the kind of like the Corbin Caleb Smith model where you bring them in and long relief situations where maybe your starter struggling, that would just be fine for those guys. And beyond that, how about Corbin Martin and J.B. Braskakis, two guys from that Zach Greinke trade who we've seen have a cup of coffee on the major league level. I would like to see more of those guys for the rest of the season in the bullpen. How about Kenyon Middleton? I know he's hurt right now, but he's actually been pretty good and pretty effective so far for the D-backs this year. I would like to see more of him when he gets healthy. I wouldn't even mind seeing Luis Frias, who has struggled this year, but we know has killer stuff. He's got an arsenal that the D-backs don't really have in their bullpen right now, and he just seems to give up five runs every time he comes in. But, man, he's got a nasty fastball and breaking ball, so I wouldn't mind seeing more Luis Frias. Even like Kevin Ginkle and Taylor Widener, two guys who have struggled uh, a lot recently, but when they first came on the scene, they showed flashes. They showed major league-level talent. Let's see a little bit more Kevin Ginkle and Taylor Widener before we just write them off because the D-backs have a bunch of really young arms that I would just like to see who could be, you know, part of the relieving core going forward when you think about all those young guys I just mentioned. Let's get those old guys out of there. I don't want to see any more Mark Melanson's. I'm glad the J.B. Wendelkins are off the roster. Like, remember when Oliver Perez was a thing? Like, why did we ever have a 40-year-old Oliver Perez who, who we had to convince to come out of retirement from the Mexican Independent Pitching League? Like, it made no sense why he was even in the closing situation. And or in the back-end bullpen situation. And speaking of closing situations, let's just scrap the committee and let's just go with Mansply full-time because I want to see what he could do full-time as a closer because I want the rest of this year to be an audition for Joe Mansply to be the closer next year because I just want to be uh, just a forget-it situation once we get to the offseason. If Joe Mansply performs really well as a closer this year, then it's just one less checklist item that you have to think about once you get to the offseason, you won't have to think about the closer because it's going to be Joe Mansply for next season. So I want to see Mansply become the closer for the rest of the year because that would just make it so much easier once we get to the offseason. But in conclusion, D-backs need more reliable arms in the bullpen. Bullpens. A reliable bullpen is one of the most critical factors to a championship run. And right now, I don't see the D-backs competing anytime soon for a World Series with the way the bullpen is constructed right now. And I just don't see a path to the D-backs, you know, having a good reliever situation. I don't see that path through our minor league situation. I don't see it through free agency unless Mike Hazen just changes his philosophy. So until Mike Hazen gets better at picking relievers and the D-backs get better at developing pitchers, the bullpen might be the Achilles heel to stopping this whole process if the D-backs ever want to make it to a World Series in the near future. Now, we're going to look back at the D-backs past trade deadlines and Decide where did it go wrong for Mike Hazen when it comes to becoming uh when it becomes a trade deadline negotiator because I feel like Mike Hazen used to put in work on the trade deadline but now I feel like Mike Hazen gets a little fleeced when it comes to the trade deadline so when did it all start to go wrong that's what we're going to discuss next but if you want to place a bet on when you think it all went wrong for the D-backs and trade deadlines you need to head to betonline.net because it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games find reviews and news of every league including major league baseball 
NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's get back to the podcast. Let's look back at Mike Hazen's trade deadline history because I feel like Mike Hazen used to have some trade deadline prowess when he first started off with the D-backs, but now I feel like that has cooled down. So let's take a look at his past trade deadline deals and just see where it started to go wrong for Mike Hazen because back in 2017, if you remember, when Mike Hazen first got on the scene, he made maybe the biggest fleece in trade deadline history, maybe the biggest coup at the deadline in the history of baseball when he traded for J.D. Martinez, for Jose King, Alcantara, surprise who's a D-back right now, and Dewell Lugo, like three scrubs for J.D. Martinez, who quite literally might have had the greatest second half of any Major League Baseball player of all time. He had like 29 home runs in like uh, in like a two-and-a-half, three-month span. Like it was one of the craziest hot stretches we've ever seen. And unfortunately, the D-backs did not re-sign J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez would have been like a Nick Castellanos. He would have been pretty bad defensively in the outfield liability, but he would have been an elite offensive player, and eventually we did get the DH, and in 2020, we would have had the DH at least for that season. So I'm mad the D-backs didn't re-sign J.D. Martinez because it was like a five-year, $110 million deal. Like It wasn't crazy money for a guy that was a legit MVP candidate at the plate, and he's been pretty consistent. Really, he's never had a down season for the Boston Red Sox as an offensive player. Big miss by the D-backs there, not re-sign J.D. Martinez, but it was a huge coup by Mike Hazen at the 2017 deadline. But how about 2018? What did Mike Hazen do? Well, I'm not going to go through every trade Mike Hazen has ever made during the deadline, just his significant ones. And at the deadline, he did trade for Matt Andrees, who was a solid reliever. Gave up Michael Perez and Brian Schaefer to the Tampa Bay Rays. So that was a good deal for Mike Hazen. He also traded for Eduardo Escobar at the 2018 deadline. He gave up three minor leaguers, you know, Trinidad, Maciel, and Duran. And Yoan Duran has actually turned out to be a very good reliever for the Twins this year. He looks like he can be their closer of the future. He throws like 102, 103 with some nasty breaking stuff. Like, Duran is going to be a huge miss, and he's, it's sad that he's turned out to be an elite reliever. But at the time, the D-back got back Eduardo Escobar. So, yes, you might have given up a potential closer of the future in Duran, but Eduardo Escobar was a really good player, an all-star level player, so I think that was a good deal by Mike Hazen. And he also traded for Brad Ziegler in 2018. He gave up Tommy Evald to the Miami Marlins, and Ziegler ended up retiring later in that season, so that deal didn't work out, but Ziegler was having a good campaign back in 2018, so I think that was a good deal for Mike Hazen. So, so far in 2017, 2018, I think Mike Hazen basically won every deal he made. How about in 2019? Because because this is where it gets a little interesting because you trade Jazzism to the Miami Marlins for Zach Allen, which I don't think was a bad deal. I think it's a wash of a trade. Jazz probably has been better in his career so far than Zach Gallon, considering he's been an all-star. But Gallon's been a frontline starter. He's been legit. Like Gallon might not be a Cy Young candidate ace, but I do think he's a legit. 1B kind of guy. If he's your number two starter in your rotation, your rotation is probably pretty elite in a playoff rotation. So I think Zach Allen is a stud. You also put pull off the Zach Greinke trade in the 2019 deadline. Get back three of the top five prospects plus Josh Rojas. Like 
That was probably the perfect time to trade Zach Greinke. He was expensive. You want to get off that money. And he basically peaked in 2019. His ERA has been above a four every year since 2019. So I don't think it was a bad deal to get off of him. And considering the return, I'm not too mad. So I would say so far the Zach Greinke deal has been solid for both sides. And then you also traded for Mike Leake. Um, at the 2019 deadline, like I don't really care about that one. So so far, 2017, 2018, 2019, I think Mike Hazen has won the trade deadline so far as uh, so far in the first three years of being the GM of the D-backs. Mike Hazen is doing a good job as the negotiator on trade deadline day, but I think 2020 is where it starts to flip and where it starts to get interesting because. You trade Robbie Ray to the Toronto Blue Jays for Travis Bergen, like right there. Robbie Ray had a way more value than that. And Travis Bergen ended up, I think, getting traded back to the Blue Jays. Like we ended up like like Bergen ended up doing nothing for the D-backs. And Robbie Ray goes on to win the Cy Young for the Blue Jays. Now he's getting paid by the Seattle Mariners. Like um, that was a terrible deal. You trade Andrew Schaafen to the Cubs. Andrew Schaafen's a pretty good reliever. And you got back Ronnie Simon. Like that was just a, a wasted deal. We got back no return. You also traded Archie Bradley to the Reds. Got back Stuart Fairchild and Josh Van Meter. Van Meter is just just a guy who if he's on your team you're just like he's taking bats away from somebody who I don't want bats taken away from Van Meter should not be on a major league roster I know Lockdown Pirates host Ethan Smith is super frustrated whenever he sees Van Meter in the starting lineup because you're just like that should be a young up-and-coming prospect in that spot instead of Josh Van Meter and Stuart Fairchild ended up being a nothing player so you didn't win that deal and you traded starring Marte to the Miami Marlins for Humberto Mejia and Caleb Smith that is a sad deal as well so he loses I think three trades in 2020 you look at the 2021 trade deadline trade Escobar to the Brewers for Alberto Ciprian and Cooper Hummel I'm not a huge fan of that trade you do the Joaquin Soria trade too which actually isn't too bad because you get a couple of darts in minor leaguers one as a pitcher so that's not a terrible deal I wish we could put off pulled off a deal like that we get a couple of interesting dart throws in the minor league so I'm not really gonna you know you know talk about the Joaquin Soria trade too much and then you got the Tim LaCastro trade to the New York Yankees in 2021 too where where you received Keegan Curtis who seemed like an interesting minor league pitcher who was having a good season in 2021 and then struggled this year I think the D-backs released Keegan Curtis so you even didn't even give a chance you you didn't even give that trade a chance if you're the D-backs and then you fast forward to 2022 and of course I hated these deals David Peralta for a rookie 18 year old ball catcher in the minor leagues and Luke Weaver for Emmanuel Rivera, who could be a platoon guy, just taking a bat away from Josh Rojas. Like, you look at the trades in 2020, 2021, 2022, and it's like, look at the value you're getting back for Escobar and Robbie Ray and David Peralta. Like, it's just not there when you were making trades for JD Martinez and fleecing teams for that, and you were getting good value back for Zach Greinke. Like, I don't know what happens at Mike Hazen's philosophy, and I think it gets even worse when you look, uh, when you think about the last three years, when you look at other deals other teams have made because, of course, I've compared the David Peralta trade to the Darren Ruff trade because Darren Ruff from the Giants is older, less productive than David Peralta, but he went for J.D. Davis and three minor league pitchers. Joey Gallo went for the 15th best pitching prospect in the Dodgers organization. Starling Marte was traded at the deadline a year after the D-back traded him at the deadline, and he went for Jesus Lozardo, who used to be a top 100 prospect on the Oakland A's, and Starling Marte was still a rental when he was traded to Oakland that's why 
I've been so disappointed the last three years because I feel like the D-backs are trading solid players, getting back terrible returns. And then also, when I look at the D-backs returns for the players that they're giving up compared to other teams, we're just getting way less value. We're doing worse trades than other teams. Like, I just don't understand the kind of trades we're making. Why are we selling off good players like Eduardo Espar and Dave Peralta for basically nothing? So I think when I think about Mike Hazen, um, basically since 2020, like it has not been a good job of building a bullpen. It's not been a good job of making trade deadline trades and just trades in general. So I don't know what's happened to Mike Hayes in the last three years. I feel like there's been a, a flip in his philosophy since the pandemic season where I don't like a lot of his decision-making. I think it's kind of concerning. So Mike Hayes needs to get better at building a bullpen, really invest in developing pitchers through your minor league system. Um, I like the way he did with Mark Melanson. I like the philosophy of spending money on a guy who's proven, who should be a stabilizing force, just got to spend the money better. So I do like that. But you got to get better at the bullpen. You got to get better at the trade deadline because it's been two weaknesses of Mike Hazen so far the last three years. I think it's really hampered the team. And if Mike Hazen can't get better in those areas, then maybe he shouldn't be the D-backs GM of the future. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day. Locked on MLB Prospects with host Lindsey Crosby, a walking baseball prospect encyclopedia. You've heard him on this pod before talking about Corbin Carroll. Drew Jones, so go check out the Lockdown MLB Prospects. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.